Blog Talk Radio. Charlie Strong is going to reap in the benefits. Can they have a better season? 
what's out there for Baylor really right now? They get a, a good quarterback back in Seth Russell, but Jared Stidham, they're, I think one of their superstar freshman quarterbacks who stepped in. Yeah, he got hurt late in the season, and that kind of cost him the, you know, the end part of it. He's transferred out. He's going somewhere else. There's just a lot of turmoil on Baylor, but we found out from the Big 12 media days last week oh, is that Baylor's not going to um, face any other conference penalties for everything that's gone down with essentially lack of institutional control is really the only way you can put it. Our Bryles, that sort of culture of win and win at all costs and look the other way on off-the-field behaviors. And this is very evident on a player that transferred from Boise State with a history of essentially raping women, was warned by Chris Peterson, the head coach at Boise State at the time, still came to Baylor. Baylor looked the other way on it, and then he committed more crimes on Baylor's campus. He's now in jail, thank God. But still, just things like that have you really questioning the leadership, the focus of Baylor's athletic program in general, and the culture of just are women safe on their campus right now? And I think if you're a female and you're going to Baylor, you're very worried. You're optimistic now going forward, but I think what you've endured, you may not want to continue to stay there. So it's a very sad situation, but I think it's trending in more positive direction. I'm unsure exactly how good Baylor will be this year. I think they've got a lot of question marks the entire offensive line essentially has to be rebuilt. They've got a lot of skilled players that they always have. They run that fast-paced, spread-tempo-type offense, but they've always really kind of not had a way to really put their eggs in on defense. It's been a struggle for them, and I think it'll be a struggle next next year as well. When you look at how good Oklahoma – I think Oklahoma State's the dark horse in the Big 12. If anybody hasn't really – not really on the bandwagon with Oklahoma State because it's Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma's going to run the table. I'm not necessarily sold on that. I really think Oklahoma State with Jake Rudolph, their skill players, they have a lot of pieces. They are a very dangerous team. Nobody's really talking about. But Bob Bowlesby went to the podium this week, and as always, every commissioner for their league goes, talks about what they want to talk about because they have the microphone in the stage. Jim Delaney will be no different. When he goes to the podium on Tuesday, we'll likely talk about the massive TV contract deal the Big Ten has just signed with Fox and ESPN, likely giving 50-plus million dollars a year to every um, institution within the Big Ten. But Bob Bowles, we talked about getting the green light to expand the conference. The Big 12 is now looking to add members to get out of 10 schools, likely are looking to add two, possibly if not four, to get on the 12 to 14 level. But this begs the question, what's the Big Ten going to do? Because I think there's going to be some massive reshuffling here in conference realignment, again, as if we didn't go through it enough. Uh, I think right now there's reports and stuff out there that have come out that that Bill Snyder uh, talked about how I think he misses playing Nebraska, would like to have Nebraska back in the Big 12, and and thinks Nebraska's not necessarily terribly happy with their arrangement with the Big 10. Uh, That can be 
I think that couldn't be more further from the truth. I think Nebraska is extremely happy in the Big Ten. Um, they fit pretty nicely geographically. We get a chance to play some schools that we've kind of always felt that we were a part of that league, even if we weren't ever really a part of it. I always kind of felt when I was younger why we weren't playing Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois. When you start talking about that group of schools, how does Nebraska not really naturally fit into that? Uh, it's a great research institution conference. Nebraska's getting a ton of money on that. They're building their, their innovation campus right now with those monies. Nebraska's trending on the upside. And I'm, we're not going back to the Big 12. We're not going back to being everyone's stepchild behind Texas. I think that's the reason why Nebraska left. Had the Big 12 been smart enough years ago to nip the Texas in the butt and just say, we're not going to let you dictate everything that's going to go on within our league, I think Nebraska would still be in it. It would be a vastly different league. But Colorado and Nebraska and Missouri A&M jumped ship probably because of that. Missouri A&M was a little different. The SEC came calling, and at the time when they were winning national championship after national championship after national championship, yeah, you're going to go. You're, you're going to go to that league if you get asked. You're going to go when you get called up. I think A&M has fit in very nicely with the SEC West. They fit in with the Mississippi, Mississippi State, Alabama, LSU. I think they're happy with their arrangement. I'm not necessarily sure Missouri's really sold on that. They have a tougher road. They kind of fit in, you know. I don't know if they really fit in with Florida and Georgia, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. It's not really necessarily really where they're going to go. But as we kind of broaden this picture again of talking about conference expansion, you know Jim Delaney is sitting there looking at what the Big 12 is going to do and already putting together a plan to bring the league to 16 teams. The ACC is pretty much almost already there. They announced this week they have memorandum rights, for, which is basically all their media rights for every institution within their league, including Notre Dame, which also puts Notre Dame in the ACC officially whenever they decide they want to be a full member with their football program and give up their independent status. You know, out of everything Jim Delaney's done, and he's a great commissioner, um, looking back at how he's grown the conference, how he's grown the probably the media and television packages have been just unbelievable and will be when they um, unveil that again on Tuesday. But the one thing that Jim Delaney probably really dropped the ball on really heavily was Notre Dame. Uh, you have an institution within your footprint of your conference uh, officially associated with someone else, and you couldn't necessarily negotiate a way to get them in your league. And you probably should have. Because now, I'm not necessarily sold Notre Dame really fits in with the ACC, but they're going to be. And I think it's going to take a couple more times of them being in the hunt for the college football playoff and not having a conference championship underneath their belt to probably not get in. It'll be a very interesting year again for them this year. Should be pretty good. Should win a lot of games with their schedule. But if they go 11-1 and one and they fall on that one-loss line, I don't know if their schedule necessarily is good enough because really they only have one ranked team in USC. Everyone else, they're clearly better than by a lot, and nobody else on their schedule is ranked this year. 
if they don't win out and go undefeated, I don't think they make it. They just don't make it this year. And eventually, as that, as that continues to happen, where Notre Dame is going to try to keep throwing themselves in the loop to be in the college football playoff, I don't think they're going to make it without having a conference championship underneath their belt. And it became pretty obvious last year how Ohio, how Ohio State and and Stanford didn't make the college football playoff last year because they didn't win the conference championship. And that, to me, is is just it's appalling, really, because they really really should have made it. You look at what those two teams did, Stanford destroying Iowa, you know, Ohio State destroying Notre Dame. Those two teams should have made the college football playoff. Nothing against Michigan State, nothing against Oklahoma. But those two teams probably could have been left out. You probably could have made a, a little bit more case for Michigan State, made one, essentially played one game, essentially lights out on the road at Ohio State and won not necessarily really sold that they were one of the top four teams, but the Big Ten's got some rep right now across the country, and their champion's going to get in regardless of who's out there. I think right now you can say if you're in the ACC, if you're Clemson and Florida State and you went out, you're probably going to be in. The SEC champion is likely in as long as that team doesn't have two losses. The Big Ten champion is probably in as long as they don't have two losses. And that really puts the Big 12 and the Pac-12 essentially battling it out with each other again this year. I think there's a lot of talk with the with the Pac-12 out there. Not as a deep league. Stanford's good, but they're breaking in a new quarterback. You're not sure what you're going to get out of Oregon. USC's got, you know, Todd Helton's back at the, at the head coaching gig again this year full-time. How good are they? How good is UCLA with Josh Rosen this year? I mean, there's just a lot of – there's probably some good teams in that league, but is there a great team, like a national championship caliber team out west? Probably not this year. I'm not necessarily really sold on Oklahoma. I think they'll be really good, but I'm telling you right now, Oklahoma, it's going to be the team. And I think if you're the, if you're the Big Ten and you're going to expand to 12 teams or, four, or 16 teams, excuse me, you've you got to look at Louisville. You've got to look at a team like that kind of in that south print, a little bit below everybody, really great college town that's done really well in the ACC. Louisville could enhance immensely with their brand. You can't get Notre Dame. You can't go necessarily after them. But I really think you you look at adding a Louisville, you might even look at maybe stealing Pitt away from the ACC. I think the ACC is going to get poached a little bit. Somebody out there, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC, is going to go after a couple schools within their footprint and try to take them out. The SEC could look at taking Miami and Florida State. The Big Ten could look at Louisville and Pitt. I think the Big 12 is going to get real interesting here. Looking at teams out there, I've heard BYU, Cincinnati, Memphis, South Florida, Central Florida, Houston. I think if the Big 12 is smart, they expanded 12. You add Cincinnati, you add Houston. Those seem to be pretty good fits. You could also add Houston and Memphis, Houston and South Florida, Houston and Central Florida. Either way, I think Houston's got to get in this round. You can't not let them not get in and slip away to the SEC because if they continue to have some pretty good years, Todd Herman's got that thing kind of rolling, and they're going to be a really good team this year. And they play Oklahoma. They play some big-name schools. They're really going to make some noise, I think, 
across the country. And that that's a team that, because of their schedule, if they beat Oklahoma on the road early in the season, they could run the table and they could be a playoff spoiler for sure because they're really getting out of that group of five image, even though they still are a group of five team, the debate's going to get on real heavily. And I think what you have this year across, you have a lot of good teams out there. You have a few great teams. I think Clemson's going to be really good. I think Florida State's going to be really talented. Ohio State should be pretty talented. Oklahoma's got a, a good bunch of pieces. But Oklahoma State, I think, is a really dangerously good team out there. But you've got a lot of good teams out there. I think Nebraska will be better, much improved this year. Michigan State, they've just kind of shown they've got this thing rolling a little bit. You can't, you can't write them off. I'm not sold on Michigan just yet because of their quarterback situation. They get that panned out with their defense, which will be pretty salty. I think they'll have a, a better year than people, you know, think. But the other side of it though is, is that they got whooped by Ohio State. So I don't really care what anybody says about Michigan. I'm not buying into the Harbaugh talk right now, if you can't beat Ohio State and be competitive in that game, you're not getting any love in my preseason um, eye right now. And they've got a lot, I think they've got a lot of work to do to be on that same level with Ohio State. Oh, wait, they play Ohio State in Columbus this year. Arguably the hardest game for them this season. If they don't beat that game, they don't make the Big Ten Championship game. So I'm not necessarily terribly worried about them just yet. But I will say this, if Nebraska wins the Big Ten West, who would you rather play? Michigan? Ohio State, and I'm 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 with you. I think Nebraska matches up way better with Michigan than they do Ohio State. But Nebraska's going to get a chance to play Ohio State, and I don't want to rematch with a team that I think has a better quarterback that can outplay us, especially on the road, and has a little bit more sound skill people and a really good defense that we're going to have to be ready for the challenge for sure. And it's a really good measuring stick to see how Riley handles that kind of atmosphere and that kind of pressure on the road because you clearly saw the last time Nebraska went out there when they played Ohio State um, you know, four years ago, we didn't handle it so well. Both Queenie and those guys got basically routed in the second half in a game that Nebraska was leading. It got pretty ugly, and it's kind of the measuring stick to see what can Riley do on the road compared to what DeBoe did on the road. And that doesn't, we don't get to see that until you know early November, but it'll be very interesting to see as well. Big Ten Media Days, as I talked about, begins on Monday. Mike Riley goes to the podium on Tuesday. Uh, Big Ten just splitting it into two days, seven teams for each day. But some interesting questions for the Huskers. One of them uh, out there is, can Riley get the Huskers over the hump? Um, As you can kind of tell last year, Kind of an underwhelming hire for Nebraska when you're getting rid of Bo Pelini. Thought Nebraska, writers kind of thought Nebraska was going to make a little bit bigger splash with their hiring. Didn't necessarily really do that. Riley's got the personality to be loved by everybody, but I just didn't think Nebraska would have that many games last season in which they had the lead and lost and either the last possession of the game or the last series of the game. Nebraska lost four games like that last year. BYU, Illinois, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. And you could throw Iowa in there in a game where Nebraska essentially outplayed the undefeated team ranked in the top five of the country, completely outplayed them the whole game and lost. 
and lost by one score. Five losses. Nebraska went, obviously they went six and seven last year. But you take four of those back and get four wins back, you know, your 10-win plus team. The question comes to is can they rectify their mistakes? Last year they were maybe not as aggressive as they needed to be in some games, but their mistakes really hurt them more than they had in the past. Not to say that the mistakes haven't cost Nebraska games in the Bopalini area. They definitely did. They definitely did that and then some. But last year, as you're transitioning from one coaching staff to another, things like that at the worst times of games really killed Nebraska's momentum. And you saw that in Illinois. You saw that against Wisconsin. You saw that against Northwestern. You saw that against BYU. You made the wrong mistake at the wrong time, and it cost you games. Going going forward this year, I'm interested to see if that can be changed. I think Nebraska's got talent in the Big Ten West. They arguably have the best wide receiving core in the Big Ten West, and I would argue within the Big Ten, when you talk about Alonzo Moore, Jordan Westerkamp, DeMorne Pearsonell when he comes back, Stanley Morgan, Stephen Carter, Brandon Riley, the list is endless. There are weapons to throw in this offense. The question comes back down to is, will Tommy be able to take the next step? And the next step for him really has to be the one thing I think every Husker fan has wanted to see from him in four years, stop turning the football over. It's the one thing he continues to talk about all the time when he struggles. It's the one thing he talks about he's getting better at. He's getting better, you know, working on his footwork, improving that, all those things. He's always saying that, but it's never actually, actually translating on the field. And he has to do that this year. There is no question. His senior year, he is the Big Ten's most experienced passing quarterback returning and starting quarterback within the league. That blows your mind a little bit when you think about how good some of the quarterbacks within the league are. Tommy Armstrong is one of the top five best quarterbacks in the Big Ten returning this year, if not the top two. He's not better than JT Barrett from Ohio State. No one's going to outplay that guy, especially his freshman year when he's pretty much poised to win the Heisman Trophy until he broke his ankle. But name the next best quarterback outside of him. C.J. Beathard? Yeah, because he doesn't turn the ball over. Then who's next? I mean, Tommy's outplayed Wes Lunt from Illinois. He's outplayed, you know, David Bullock from Purdue. He's outplayed Max Weber, even though Weber is probably going to be put up there because he's somehow a really high prospect for the NFL. He outplayed Taylor Torzen from Northwestern. You know, he's outplayed half the league. And then on top of that, you look at Michigan State breaking in a new quarterback. Penn State breaking in a new quarterback. He's better than Perry Ellis and and uh, Corey Russell from Maryland that we'll see later this year, too. He's better than those teams. He's probably better than the guy that Oregon rolls out in week three of the season. Tommy Armstrong is arguably the top five or top four, even the top three best quarterback in the Big Ten. And it's time for him to play like that, and he has to play like that, like that this year. If he does, if they build more of a package that makes him think less, react more, and just make plays, this offense scored points last year. They scored. They were one of the top five best. Actually, they were one of the top three or top two best scoring offenses within the league last year. 
the issue came back to, which is one of the other issues in the questions in the Big Ten media days, is, is their defense. Their pass defense last year was atrocious. Teams, you knew that, just gave up way too many yards, 290 yards per game that the Huskers gave up last year, way too many big plays in the passing game. You kind of felt like at times last year that no matter what happened, teams were definitely going to get out there and make big plays in the passing game. Happened against Northwestern, happened against Illinois, happened against Wisconsin, happened against BYU. You look at those teams, yes, we couldn't run the ball and there were other issues, but the pass defense let us down in those games, too, that we lost. Played better at the end of the season. They figured some things out. You know, later in the year, Connor Cook still kind of knifed us through in early November. They played better against Bethard in against Iowa and played arguably their best game in the bowl game against Rosen. They have to progress, and we, and we have to have a pass rush with – essentially one returning starter and a ton of youth underneath there. But that's, I love John Perella. I love the new hire because he went out there at the Big Ten breakfast uh, this week and said it's not an excuse. My group, just because we have youth, is not an excuse why we can't perform. And when you look at teams out there winning and competing for conference championships, they have the disruptive defensive lines. Your defensive line has to be your best position group on your team. It's not for Nebraska. And uh, I will argue with anybody tooth and nail across the board on that. It's not even the best position group on defense. Linebacker is actually this year. ton of experience at linebacker. But if I had to rank the three positions, linebacker, secondary, defensive line is easily third. Offense, wide receivers is one I'd give. I give back play with quarterback and running back experience too, and an offensive line play third on that. I, I think our line play isn't as great on both sides and needs a ton of work if Nebraska is going to be successful. But can be. I really think this year they'll be a better, improved team, but you're unsure how many wins that's going to translate because it's a tougher schedule. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. When you're playing, arguably, you're probably five hardest games within the league and a nine-game conference schedule on the road, you're going to have to be a pretty good road warrior, and you're going to have to do something you have only done once in the last 15 years, win all your home games. Can you believe that? It only happened one time in Bofalini's entire tenure in Nebraska that he went all of his home games? One time. Nebraska cannot lose home games if they're going to try to be in the 8-9 to nine to 10-win platform that they probably need to be next season. And I think 8-4 and four doesn't do it for Husker fans. 9-3 and three probably doesn't do it for Husker fans. I think it's got to be 10 wins. They've got to find a way to get 10 wins next year. And I really, really think you really have to look into that and go, where's those 10 wins at? They're going to have to win. In the five road games, they're probably going to have to win at least three of them. Probably Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. You could you could coin flip Indiana if you could find a way to really be that salty earlier. And I don't care what anybody says. Nebraska's not ready to match up with Ohio State on the road at all, no matter no matter what you think. All right, shows wrapping up. We got I don't know, a couple more minutes left. We didn't get to the Big Ten West preview, but we'll do that next week. No live shows to come back now every Sunday. I promise. Summer's been busy. We're back to school. Got some things finished up. 
official graduate again, University of Nebraska Omaha this time. And now I have to fight back there within the state, UNK, UNO, UNL. Not many people just say they did that, so thanks for the patience. Next week, we're diving into the Big Ten West preview. Between uh, Nebraska and Iowa, really, we'll, we'll divide, dive into both teams, really look into depth between Nebraska and Iowa. And I think the Big Ten West is decided on the NK after Thanksgiving in Iowa City. I can't wait to go through that game this year. It is one of my road trips this year for sure. Going to check out Phoenix Stadium and Iowa Hawkeyes, see what everything else is about out there. We'll also look at the Big Ten East. We'll preview both sides next week. And we'll bite the juicy tidbits of the Big Ten Media Days that was discussed. Jim Delaney going to the podium. We likely will talk about the Big Ten new media rights package. I'll be really interested to see if you make comments about uh, the discussion out there of eliminating the kickoff from the college football team. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I think we just need to really teach kids to stop getting the way, to stop you know, forcing people down. It's an exciting play. I don't want to see the team to take away possible touchdowns you can't account for. And that's what special teams does. Kickoff, punt return, those touchdowns change games. If you're taking those away, then you're basically saying, physically, we just have to match up with this other team because special teams doesn't matter anymore. It is by far the one of the more important aspects of the game, and it's the aspect of the game to never account for no matter what happens. Yeah, either be prepared and cross your fingers if something will happen. We'll be back live on Sunday afternoon. Come back and join us. Until then, Joe's is out.